Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are on take number two of the second part because we had some technical issues, but we are back. Uh, we were just discussing the fact that we maybe do actually have a name for the podcast. All I said is it is capital T, capital P, the podcast. Uh, but last time we established or the it. podcast that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just going to make it longer every week until uh, we have a full uh, sentence going down. But uh, welcome back to the podcast. Last week we did call it uh, tentatively beer time with books. That was the tentative term. But uh, <laughs> for this podcast, we're going to start it off the same way. We're going to introduce everybody that's on the podcast today and what we're drinking. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm back. Uh, I'm drinking <laughs> the same thing as everybody else. I'll introduce it. Uh, it's Isolation Ale by Odell Brewing. This makes it seem like we really love Odell Brewing. We <laughs> this don't, is an unofficial po- sponsor. <laughs> We're going to see oh, how our tastes evolve as the, as the podcast goes on. But that's it. Uh, I'm Danny. I'm also back. I drink whatever beer that Jamie and Brian have in their fridge. <laughs> and it's not an IPA. And that would be the same thing as Jamie. That's the Isolation Ale, Odell Brewing Company. I'm Brian. Uh, I'm also back. Apparently, we're doing that. We're just, if, if we were on the last podcast, we have to specify we're back. that we're back. Uh, but last week, like I said, we just did an introductory episode, and we mentioned that we had some books that we were going to discuss, and we will be getting to that. But I thought that uh, it'd be kind of fun at the beginning. So basically how we're structuring the podcast from now on is each of us are going to lead some discussion. So I'm for the next two episodes because I chose Lincoln and the Bardo. Jamie, you'll be doing? Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So that'll be the two after these two and then Danny. I'm doing um, 100 Years of Solitude. Awesome. So before we get into today's book, I just kind of want to ask, uh, have there been any other um, interesting pieces of media that you've been consuming recently? Because uh, I think that'll be kind of cool as the podcast goes along to see like what we're doing on the side, because obviously this didn't take us uh, our entire like life from last podcast <laughs> to this, this one. To this is all I've right. been doing. <laughs> um, so does anybody want to start? I can start, I guess. Uh, interesting media I have been consuming. Um, I am watching Game of Thrones for the first time. Uh, so that's exciting. Brian dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Brian wanted me to watch it, and I never have. And we talked in the last episode of the pod about how I'm finally getting into fantasy in my old age. Um, so I'm enjoying it. We just finished the first season. Of Game of Thrones. We went through it in like a week and a half. Yeah. I think. Um, it's been fun. I like it. Yeah. I, I have feelings and thoughts. Um, and I know everybody else has already read them and already seen it. But um, I would prefer a show that was just about Khaleesi. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I would watch that spinoff. Yeah. That's all I want. Danny? Um, I recently started watching the great british baking show are mm. my parents keep talking about that and my brother-in-law and my sister they love it i yeah. thought that i wouldn't like like i didn't see any reason why i would be interested in it mm-hmm. and then i just was like oh this seems light i'm gonna put it on and then um i watched a season and a half last weekend nice. and 
Um, it's just nice and so like non-competitive, and they're just so lovely on it. And like they even help each other when the challenges are like the time is up, and like they are helping each other at their stations. It's really nice. I. It's like refreshing and wholesome. Yeah, after lots of uh, Gordon Ramsay calling people yeah. idiot sandwich, it's uh, the opposite it, of that. <laughs> and you're a smart sandwich. <laughs> you're, you're a smart. I just didn't think that I was going to be interested in it. And then by like the fifth episode, I was like, oh, clearly that tart is underbaked. That's of course it is. <laughs> like, he's like had all of these things that he's learning about oh, tarts specifically. Extremely underbaked. <laughs> I would never. Yeah. So um, that, and then I also started listening to. My Favorite Murder a few weeks, two weeks ago, which mm-hmm. is not uh, super new. Um, but I had just never listened to it, and I um, I really like it. I'm 20, 20 episodes in, and um, it's good for true crime. Nice. And recently, uh, obviously, Jamie mentioned Game of Thrones. We're making our way through that. I've been playing a lot of the Fallout video game series, and I've been enjoying that a lot. It's made me listen to a lot of uh, 1940s jazz because that's the soundtrack specific. of the game. Yeah, it's very, it is very specific uh, as it's a go around. Jazz. It's like it's big jazz. bands. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's jazz. Big band. I know, but it's like... They kinda, had the Beach Boys like in like Fallout music. 76. It's like yeah. 1940s pop music. Yeah. Yeah, and it's fun. I like the game a lot, and uh, I like the storytelling uh, as a part of it. And, you know, as, as a fan of books, uh, I do enjoy a good story, and I think that um, in certain instances that game does nail it quite a bit so uh that's been the media we've been consuming but for this week uh the very specific thing we'll be talking about for the second episode of the podcast and our first book of the podcast uh we're going to be talking about lincoln and the bardo by george saunders and um uh, we had kind of been discussing a list uh, of books that we wanted to read for the podcast, and I had been wanting to read it for a while. This book was talked about extensively on BookTube, and a lot of people absolutely loved it, and it won the Man Booker Prize. So it had garnered a lot of praise uh, from all sorts of places. And so uh, it seemed like it was up my alley. It had the historical fiction aspect, and there were a couple other things that I had seen that. Um, it it kind of uses an experimental structure, and so I thought it'd be fun for the podcast, and we read, uh, as we mentioned last week, about halfway uh, through the book, and so we read all the way up to page 176 for anybody following along. That's the end of the first part, um, and so I'll be leading the discussion for the next two weeks, and... Um, I'm really excited about it because the book has been a lot of fun and it, it was funny to hear the thoughts of both of you guys during the week because there were very particular moments. Uh, one of the things that one of the first things that Jamie said to me uh, was after she had started it, she mentioned something that's also going to be a new segment for uh, the podcast: the too long don't read titles. <laughs> and this, and TLDR. that's uh, TLDR, TLDR titles. Yeah. So Jamie uh, mentioned that it was. Oh yeah, I said that I had only read like maybe three or four chapters of the book, and I said it reminded me of the Eddie Murphy classic. <laughs> Haunted Mansion. I have seen that. Eddie yes. Murphy triggered oh, it. It did so it for it's me. it's only me. I was going to say, <laughs> did it so for me. I, was the, I said that I didn't know what you were talking about, and, and I told Danny about it in our group text, but I have never seen the movie. Yeah, so Haunted Mansion, if you haven't seen it, is a Disney film uh, in which 
Eddie Murphy with his family moves into an old house um, that is haunted and all of the ghosts are like really whimsical and kind of funny um, and that's what <laughs> this book the reminded me of. The characters are, yeah. Um, except I told Brian it was sophisticated haunted mansion mm-hmm. because it's definitely not a Disney movie. <laughs> Yeah, that, I I would agree with that. Even not having seen it, uh, this does not quite have the Disney vibe. But that's the TLDR title. We're gonna have one for every book, and that's uh, uh, the one for this one, and probably the title of this episode. And then also, I think it should be the title TLDR. Sophisticated on invention. And so for Danny, also she had texted when we were we had a group message going, and Danny had asked if she wanted or if she could read more. She got to. The end of the section, and she said this. This is the quote here. She said, are we allowed to talk about the book over text outside the pod next text? Because all caps, I love it. And so uh, after that, we said what we had been saying uh, for a little bit after the last one. Hashtag save it for the pod. So uh, we're there officially. Uh, save it for the pod. pod. We're on the pod. So uh, what uh, part were you at? I-, I guess you had just gotten to the end of it, uh, and you were excited to read more. What-, what was kind of spurring you on at that point? Um, I think I was like 30 pages from the end of part one um, and I mostly just I think whimsical is a really good word to describe the characters um, so far Um, I just really enjoy the comic relief and also like their ability to I don't know like be serious at the same time Mm -hmm. I don't know I really I was really enjoying the characters and I don't I don't think there was a specific moment I think I was just getting close to the to the end of part one and I was like I don't have another book with me yeah. I really want to be able to I didn't think about this I want to be able to read more but um but yeah I, I mean I also we talked about this I was pleasantly surprised at kind of how like it's a quick read but there's a lot of substance to it mm-hmm. yeah and and that's the thing is I really didn't know that much about the book before going in, I thought it was going to be a lot more sad mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. than it actually ended up being. But we will get to that in, in a second. I think it, it is important when we're getting to talking about the first part of the book that obviously that's going to be very different than where we're at at the end where we have the majority of the story or at, at that point all of the story. Uh, a lot of what happens with your first impressions, uh, at least for me, and you guys can kind of share your thoughts on this as well but uh, my first impressions are often on the structure of the story and there was a very unique text structure to this one obviously anybody that's picked up the book if you're in the middle of it right now listen to this podcast you know what we're talking about but uh, I think it really uh, creates a unique experience if it's you know playing with typical structures of a novel you know oftentimes you'll tell somebody if you're reading a book like oh this one has short chapters like that's an easy thing to tell somebody and that's like cat's cradle for instance that's what i've recommended to a ton of people because it has really short succinct chapters uh you'll say like oh it's dialogue only there's jr by william gaddis it's all dialogue that's just stuff that you tell people so on this one uh it it is kind of unique and i i wanted to kind of get your guys's um take on the structure that you saw. I know, Danny, you had some thoughts uh, specifically that you didn't necessarily like. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I, I really don't have a problem with, like, the, the structure. Um, the only thing that I don't like is that I, that I don't know, it, just, it was confusing to me at first. Um, it's written kind of, it struck me like it was written like a play almost. Like, mm-hmm. it seemed, it feels like a play. 
um, because of the way that the dialogue is written, centered, and then like the names of the people who are speaking are under the dialogue. Um, but it just seemed a little bit confusing to me because like you don't see it's easy to see like visually, but like you don't notice necessarily who's talking immediately once you you know when you start reading their what they're saying. Um, you know, you read what they're saying and then you see who's saying it. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it felt to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just, I was a little confused at first. Um, we joked, we joked when I said that I got, I got to the end of part one. Um, Brian said, read it again. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, that, that isn't the, that isn't a bad idea. Then it actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I read like a third of it again and I picked Which up. Which I'm impressed. I'm, I, I'm impressed that that actually happened. I never, for the record, I never do that. I have never reread a book so quickly. <laughs> um, like, right. But I wanted to, I wanted to see what else I could pick up. Um, and so I, I definitely picked, picked up more. It was less confusing the second time because I knew, you know, I had, I was familiar with the characters and everything, of course, but, um, I just was a little confused. I'm confused why he chose this, or I'm interested in why he chose this structure because, um, to me, if you're going to write it kind of this way, like I would like to see the characters' names, like, you know, in like, like you see in a script, you know, you see their name and then you see what they say. Um, yeah, Yeah, that confused me at the beginning as well. Uh, it took me a second and... You know, I, that's something that I personally enjoy. I like experimental structures I, in, I like in novels, it too. and I like the feeling of getting lost because mm-hmm. of that. Because you're learning that style, mm-hmm. and I won't say that it took obviously that long because a few pages in, you know, you understand where because like the chapter ends, for instance, or it's like the mm-hmm. first text of the chapter, <laughs> and you start to realize that that is how. Uh, it's written, but I like being able to have the author teach me Mm -hmm. as I go, which like in this, it's pretty easy because uh, you're just going to naturally be going along with it. But that's something that I always enjoy. But uh, I know that Jamie had also said that she had had some confusion at the beginning when we talked about it. Do you want to talk about kind of the experience with you at the beginning? Yeah, I, um, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, But what Brian's referring to is I started the book before anybody else and I went into it like not knowing anything about it. I knew Abraham Lincoln was involved and that's literally all I knew. I didn't read the back of the book. I didn't know it was like about his son dying, which also we haven't mentioned at all what the book is about. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get okay. There. Okay. Um, but I didn't know it was about his son dying. I didn't know that there were like ghost characters. I knew absolutely nothing about it. And the first two pages don't have that structure like you don't see anybody Mm -hmm. being like cited (laughs) right right you don't have like a a reader that's called out to you and so I read the first two pages and I was really interested in this story of this guy getting married to this young woman and like all this and then it suddenly changed and like other people were talking and I did not know what was happening Mm -hmm. I was like fully like what is I don't know who these people are I don't know why this is happening and then the next chapter was all different people and like historical yeah citations excerpts mm-hmm. um which also that's the thing that when i look at the structure of this it feels like because i think my theory is that because it's like a historical fiction novel and he's basing it in reality some of the citations i think brian said are real mm-hmm. like from historical documents i looked it up and they yeah, yeah some of them i wondered about that um the structure reminds me of an academic 
article mm-hmm. of like you you're quoting this and then at the end of the sentence you cite it mm-hmm. like MLA format yeah um which I think that maybe that's purposeful like it feels more of like a found document than uh a play where you're like definitely telling people what to say mm-hmm. um but I I had to reread the first three chapters like multiple times and until I was like okay I think I know who these people are I think I know what's happening I think I understand where we're at in this story um and I really I really really enjoy it I like Mm -hmm. the way that it's structured um but it did take me a while and honestly if I hmm I don't know if I should admit admit this about myself, but if I weren't reading this for the podcast and, like, had this accountability, I might have read the first couple chapters, got really confused, and then just put it down and not picked it up again, (laughs) which, like, would have been a bummer because I really enjoy it. But I that's how frustrated I was Mm -hmm. the first time I read it. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, and that's the thing that I had heard from a lot of previous reviews is that uh, because of the way that it's written... Uh, because it's unconventional, it, it threw a lot of people for a loop. Even that, uh, even people that were used to, you know, experimental structures from previous books that they've read. Um, but most people seem to have the experience, like I was talking about a little bit earlier, of having the author teach you. Um, and, and sometimes it is more difficult uh, to have the author do that, depending on how. Uh, experimental or complex it's going to be but I, I like the way that uh, you know when you get to those different chapters that have stuff that's rooted in reality the work cited uh, kind of train of thought makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. uh, when you when you get to those because they are all based in reality and you're able to tell that really easily and you obviously know that you're there because you get to a chapter and instead of just having one name there's like a whole list of uh, whatever article or book it's from and the author as well. And I, I will say as far as some of them being true, I don't know that all of them are because um, there, there are some in here that the way he cites it um, kind of led me to believe that, and I think there was an interview with him as well, um, that led me to believe that they're not all true, but there are some that are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really... I really enjoy the, like, citation structure of it. Um, now that you mention, like, it being, like, a citation, like, MLA format, <clears throat> it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I was just, like, thrown for a loop, like you said, until, like, until you know, like, the third, I don't know, what is it, like, the third chapter, or the, the, the first few pages, then they start talking about, you know, like, they start having citations, and so then I was, like, flipping back and forth, and I was, mm-hmm. like, who's speaking, what is happening, also, are these people real, and then I was, yeah. like, I should have probably looked it up, but I was, like, are these people real? Are these real books? Mm-hmm. Like, I was super concerned, also, the, the reason I reread the first few chapters um, partially was in the second and third chapter it's like historical documents mm-hmm. like citing like this person said this in this book or this letter or whatever and I was so concerned that I needed to know who all those people were yeah like I was trying to remember who said what which mm-hmm. I don't think is important right. except for like the main three characters yeah and I think that that is an interesting point due to our different reading styles because 
obviously this is one that I had chosen. I said I like a lot of books that have more experimental structure. And for me, when I've read those in the past, I found the most success with just plowing ahead instead of focusing on every single name and detail. Because there's a lot of books that I've read where there's just like a cast of characters of over 200. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter. Uh, but some of them it will, and though I, I've always found that the importance of certain characters come out over time by how involved they are in the story. But I think that that is a factor if you're reading this book, if you're used to picking over every detail, it, it will be a little bit more challenging at the beginning. Yeah, you should I also, plow ahead. Yeah, you should you plow should. ahead. Please plow I ahead. Started, <laughs> That's the advice. I started reading it by listening to and following along with the audiobook that I, I had already downloaded on Audible like a year ago. I bought it being like, oh, this is popular. I might like this. I might listen to it, which maybe it gets better. I don't know. The audiobook is like really well produced. It's like Nick Offerman as um, Bevins, I think, um, and like a whole cast of characters. Like they have a bunch of different people reading. Um, for all the different parts but also they say every name every single time oh is like at least for the first couple chapters i didn't listen past that so i, I don't know continue, if yeah. they change i dislike but that i was yeah. like greatly i was trying to follow along with it and they kept like another voice would say like hans volman and i was just like okay i don't know what's happening that makes me feel like they the people like I don't know. That makes me feel like the producers of that audiobook didn't understand. They the might structure. change like, it. I don't know if like once you get to know the characters, they drop that. Like I, I didn't keep listening because that like also I have I had to keep pausing it mm -hmm. to be like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Like who are these people? My experience in stuff uh, audiobooks like that is it probably doesn't stop. Yeah, I don't know. That's so very, I don't. That's I don't very wanna, like, odd to me. I mean, I guess that's like. <laughs> It's like the way that you would read it, like verbatim in your head. That yeah. is like what your vo your voice reads the name every time. I don't know. That, yeah. That is very, that's interesting to me. So they would do that. there are two points on that, that that I'd like to bring up. So with the audiobook structure being so strange because it is more experimental. So I had mentioned that this was one of the books I read um, in the previous podcast. So this was actually uh, an audiobook. It was... Um, Brief interviews with Hideous Men, the David Foster Wallace one, and he has uh, infamously used footnotes in a lot of his stories. And in the audiobook format, it was very jarring because they would say aloud, footnote, uh -huh. blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I understand They're jarring that. enough when you're reading exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. And so I think that that's uh, something to look out for as well. So that's a good warning for yeah. anybody. If, yeah. if you haven't started yet and you're thinking about the audiobook, that's yeah. something to think about. And I also, I was really excited for the audiobook because it had like a good cast of characters. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's, uh, the well, people that they mention is Nick Offerman and um, what's his face that writes books that are funny. Uh, David, David Sedaris, David Sedaris mm -hmm. I think, is another one. So here's a point on that. The, the second point here is Nick Offerman is actually friends with George Saunders oh. uh, and had been before this. And so him, uh, I can't remember his wife's name, uh, Nick Offerman's wife, but um, mm -hmm. she's in Parks and Rec. Megan Milani? Milani? Yes, Megan? okay. Something. So So they have known George Saunders. And what I found out is normally George... 
does the audiobooks for his own stories. And so here's another thing that I think we might have mentioned last podcast. George Saunders has only done short stories and short story collections. This is his first novel. Uh, he has a famous uh, one, 10th of December, um, that's mentioned here on the front of our copy of Lincoln and the Bardo. But regardless, his friendship with Nick Offerman, they loved the book, uh, wanted to do the audio book, and he knew that it probably needed more people. And also, in working on this, I believe, uh, from what I had seen, maybe it was an old article, and I don't know what the progress is on it, but uh, Nick Offerman and uh, Megan Mullaney are going to produce... Uh, either a movie, I think it's a movie, a movie or a series of Lincoln and the Bardo. Cool. Yeah, I would like that. I would too. So They should call it Sophisticated Haunted Mansion. <laughs> and Disney puts their stamp yeah, on Disney it. Disney will, will produce it. So, Haunted Mansion 2, Lincoln and Lincoln. the Bardo. <laughs> I would watch that. Oh, that would be so good. I would watch it. That would be so good. Um, so... Um, so we did mention that uh, we haven't really talked about... <laughs> sorry. sorry. Uh, we mentioned that we haven't really talked about what the book is about, but I think that it is important I'm to sure talk about wondering. structure uh, because that's an important, like I said, important first impression, and that's how you recommend books a lot of times. If you don't know the, the story all the way or you don't want to spoil something, a lot of times the structure is easy to talk about. Uh, but let's get into this a little bit. So it's called Lincoln and the Bardo, and uh, when I had looked that up, uh, Bardo, we, we were saying we didn't know what, what? that was. Uh, apparently, it is a term for the uh, for purgatory, essentially. And he was basing this off of um, a couple different uh, depictions of the afterlife and purgatory. So it wasn't all stemming from uh, one religion or one culture. Mm-hmm. I know he had mentioned the Egyptian culture was a big influence in writing about um, this particular story, and I can't remember the other, um, but it is about purgatory, essentially, and that's how we get into this spooky setting here. You know, a lot of the book is narrated by what we find out to be ghosts, essentially. I don't know what you guys would call them, ghosts I'd or call whatever them else. Ghosts. I, yeah. yeah, I was... I think ghosts or even just like souls yeah, <laughs> or spirits. I don't know. I think ghosts are good. Yeah. And so, and so when we're in the afterlife, I mentioned part of the structure, you know, when you're in reality, um, as in like the living world, when you have those citations that look real exactly. and are sometimes real. Yeah. Cause they're all trying to document what's going on mm-hmm. while they are in this purgatory state but when you're in the actual purgatory you have these ghosts that are narrating it and it's more in the present as opposed to documenting it so i don't know if you guys have any thoughts uh on that in particular or about this purgatory state that he's writing about well i don't know that i have felt that it's in the present like i don't Half the time, the way that they talk about it, it's like them remembering what was happening. Yeah, and I wanted to get to that a little bit later, but we go ahead. Like, it feels like they are together writing a journal, being like, we saw the boy, and he looked, and then mm-hmm. somebody else says, exasperated, or whatever. Like, they, it. I don't think that it feels like they're narrating exactly what's happening. Like, it feels like they are looking back on this weird thing that happened in... 
their cemetery. Um, I don't know. I think sometimes, though, when... So here's the other thing that we need to bring into this. The reason that we're in uh, this purgatory area in particular uh, is because of its basis around the Lincoln family. And so when we're talking about Lincoln, we're talking about Abraham Lincoln and his family, in case anybody was wondering. In case that was uh, a source of confusion for anybody. It, it actually was Ibrahim Lincoln uh, over The less in, famous to George Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, the period of time that we're focused around, and it is a very, at least so far, I don't know how much we're going to uh, spread this timeline, but it's focusing on the period of time that Willie, Lincoln's son, was sick and passed away. And so they are talking to him. And I think I found instances where I felt that they were talking to Willie in the present and they're surprised when Lincoln is coming to visit him because that's but the inspiration both. for the... That's exactly, like, exactly. I went, I went back and forth like in a few chapters thinking one thing and then, you know, like in the next few chapters just kind of being like, so are, is this, are they telling a story or is this actually happening and then willie's actually willie's um accounts confused me more than anything actually um because i couldn't tell at first if he was like i don't know it seemed almost like he was writing writing what he was saying i know now that i don't it's probably not that but it feels almost like he was like writing like diary entries or something the way that he was um the way that his the structure of his paragraphs um i don't know they're they're kind of piecemeal and i was just kind of like so is this like the way that an 11 11 year old boy thinks is he like what's mm. going you know i was confused about his dialogue a well little bit. i, I want to yeah, bring that there's up no, like punctuation really willie's, he doesn't finish his sentences willie's is the the most different out of yeah. anybody mm-hmm. that actually has a speaking role where it's not an article i noticed that multiple times where like Instead of periods, sometimes it'll be multiple spaces. Just like a bunch of spaces. And his his is very particular. It's like, it made me think that it's like, first of all, the way, like, that George Saunders is trying to portray very obviously that he's a child. um, Because his thoughts seem, like, 75% formed. And then uh, even the spacing, like, the visual, you know, looks a little bit um, all over the place. Like, all over the place. Kind yeah. of just, like, he's... Maybe he's, you know, like, over... He's overwhelmed. He doesn't know what's going on. So, like, I think visually it plays a part, too, which is really interesting. That's not something you would get if you were listening to the yeah. audiobook necessarily. Yeah, that'd be hard to... I, I doubt on the audiobook they're saying... Oh, uh, yeah. I space, didn't get space. that far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do in maybe this audiobook. They do, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I was... Re- I'm really interested in Or maybe in there's, Willie's. like, weird pauses where they're like, I was walking. And I saw. (laughs) That's how he writes. That's how he speaks. Or I don't know. I don't. I don't. But like the the main two ghost characters, Roger and Hans. I just looking at it now, like they talk in the past tense. Yeah. Like they say, we proceeded on. We found the the gentleman as he had been described to us. Um. So if I don't know, it feels to me like they are recording this and that they yeah. they are putting in dialogue as they remember it. I, I'd want to look back on it. I feel like some of it 
was very particularly the past, especially when they talk about. Uh, so in this purgatory world, there's a, a lot of people. Uh, we learn as the story goes along, and we get introduced to them in very interesting ways, uh, most notably by their um, appearance, which we'll get into a little bit as well. But uh, I, I think when they're talking about a lot of the people that uh, had died previously, that when they're not talking about Willie in particular, there's a lot in the past because that did already happen. So I think that it would be worth looking into moving forward because that actually might be the case. I don't think I paid attention enough, but I think that it is a little bit of both. And those parts, like I felt like they were, they, they had dialogue of like all the other ghosts. Like there's Mm -hmm. tons of ghosts all over the place. All of them. Like in moments when those ghosts started talking, like the ghosts would talk for a few lines and then they would like, break the fourth wall and Roger or somebody would tell you like this person does mm-hmm. that like he's clearly not talking to them he's right. not saying that out loud it made me like feel... he's talking to you as the reader but but here's the interesting thing about yeah. that dynamic of the two of them sometimes when they're talking about each other even though you know they're telling the story together because they're filling in each other's sentences they'll still refer to each other Mm -hmm. in the third person. And tell you things that, like, you didn't know previously. But but not always. Yeah. It it really makes me feel, like, the the image that I was getting by the end um, of the first part is that Roger and Hans are, like, sitting in a room together, half reminiscing, half, like, trying to record this. Mm -hmm. And then, like, as if you're in a movie, as if you're watching a movie, like, everything else that's happening that they're explaining is, like, projected on a screen or like you know you can see it happening and they're explaining it and they're looking at it they're like narrating they're narrating yeah that's and then they also give you a side it feels like the story pauses and then they walk out of it It being like it doesn't say this is what's going on that's how it that's how i had to eventually start picturing it because otherwise um the timing and the um the tense the verb tenses were too can they were too ambiguous so like that's kind of how I that's kind of how I interpreted it yeah um so any other thoughts on anything that we had just discussed before we move on I don't know so so that's kind of the general premise of what we're looking at so uh as we had mentioned um and obviously this is something one of the only things that I knew about the book uh, before I had started reading it, is that a lot of the focus is on Willie Lincoln's death and how Abraham Lincoln was processing it at the time. And it mentions him, uh, as we said, through some of those citations of various uh, articles in history or logs or anything else uh, about how he visits Willie in his grave many times. And that was the main thing that... Uh, George Saunders got inspiration from uh, but you know we already talked about structure a little bit and about the story itself uh, but one of the things that we did mention earlier too that I think is worth talking about that sounds like it'd be a really sad story but one of the things that I've been enjoying so far have been the fluid shifts in tone Uh, and like I said we had mentioned it a little bit but there were funny moments like the description of the moon, for instance, on one of the <laughs> nights when they were talking about, of course, it was in a sad context where it was 
uh, presidential party, but Willie was sick upstairs. But so many different people were saying, oh, it was a full moon that night. As there was no moon. And there was a crescent moon <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And there The was, sky was dark. <laughs> like all these various accounts, which I thought was like really funny that he brought that up and, and that he found that it was even important enough to do that in the first mm-hmm. place. Uh, and then there was also dialogue with the ghost that could get pretty wild and irreverent obviously they don't take everything that seriously but at the same time we also had moments of intense grief uh, grief with Abraham Lincoln and his family uh, that were very powerful and I just didn't expect there to be uh, that large of a range for a story that I pictured to be very sad Mm -hmm. and so uh, what are your thoughts on that aspect of the book was it something that you enjoyed did you expect it kind of break that down I was surprised. Again, I went into this not knowing anything. So I didn't know if it was sad or if it was... I mean, like, I knew it was about Abraham Lincoln in some way, which I feel like most stories about Abraham Lincoln end up being sad. Like, that just feels like... Because his life was... Like, he had a lot of really awesome, wonderful, good things that happened, but also, like... There were a, a lot, lot of, of tra- sad, yeah, a, lot a lot of, of tragedy. Um, but the first chapter, this is part of the thing that kept confusing me. That was like um, one of our main ghost narrators. Uh, I think it's Hans, right? Hans is talking first. Yeah, Hans Volman is talking about like this woman that he got married to, and then it's like a very like succinct story. And then towards the end of that part where he's talking, he just like starts talking about poop mm-hmm. and i was so confused i was like what is happening he's like i i he says the word poop yeah he's like i pooped in my sick box and i was just like what is going on what does this mean why and he, like i didn't understand that this narrator was dead and that that's what it's re- like he mm-hmm. he died and you excrete things when you die like that's i didn't understand what was happening um so i was really surprised in that like moment of like this feels weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This feels like it doesn't match the tone of what was just happening. Um, but I I do really enjoy like the whimsical sides of um, the main narrators and also those moments of like historical inaccuracies. The moon one, I especially I like. I remember I read that before Brian had started reading any of the book and I was sitting there being like I want to tell him about this because it's funny <laughs> and it goes on for so long yeah. like he, it's not like it's he like does three he does like it's a, a whole lot. chapter yeah. of just here are descriptions of the moon that are not the same on the same night like very specific like I could see the moon through the third floor window and it was covered by a cloud and then like other people were just like there was no moon <laughs> yeah <laughs> the you sky could, was you could dark see no stars and, yeah. no moon yeah, um, so I really, I really enjoy the like shift in tone because also I feel like this could be a really, really sad, like kind of like mind-numbingly depressing story. Like depending on how you told it, it could be like, okay, I get it. He's sad. He comes to visit him. Like, I, it's, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I like the, the whimsical asides. Danny, thoughts? Yeah, I so I'm in the middle of Brian and Jamie in terms of like knowing about this book. Um, Brian knew a lot about it, and 
I really only knew like what I read from the inside cover, <clears throat> and what stuck with me was um, he. It says that it unfolds in a graveyard and it's narrated by a dazzling chorus of voices. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I was like, who is narrate? Who? How many narrators does this book have? I didn't understand. So that clarified a little bit. Like when you see the people's names under like every you know like statement every every sentence every paragraph I was just like okay so these are different narrators but you're right it was very like I don't know it was um, it was interesting to read Hans's especially at the beginning because I was just like I don't understand I don't know what's <laughs> going on like who is this narrator like and then you know it was like pages and pages before I caught on to like everything that was happening um but yeah i mean i agree with jamie it like very much feels like it could just be like a sad historical fiction or even just like a little biography almost of like lincoln Mm -hmm. and his son um but it's it makes it much more interesting i think um to be told in this way and i think it's it's it was comforting for me to read about this you know really sad um really sad event in president lincoln's life but to have it be told by like these very likable um ghost characters that are introduced at the you know at the very beginning and so like even a few chapters in you have a relationship with hans and bevin bevins roger 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 bevins yeah um and so, yeah, I mean, even a few chapters in, you're just like, oh, like, you, these are, like, old, I don't know, grandfatherly nice yeah. men. I don't know. And that's part of the reason, like, I feel like they're, like, sitting in chairs telling you this story. Like, reminiscing. Because there's, like, even moments when they are narrating narrating that could be very sad, like, them describing how Lincoln is walking through the graveyard or whatever, but, like... Hans will have this long description that's really depressing and then there'll be just one line from Bevins that's like quite so like you're just like ah oh, you're excruciating <laughs> and it's just it's yeah it's I concur it brings you back to like them just having a conversation rather than just like pages and pages of just like and then he died and then yeah. he visited him and then it it's like it's a funny pause of yeah. like ah uh, yes c- quite so <laughs> quite so <laughs> yeah and i think that uh Part of what makes this book unique in that way is that, you know, there have been so many. <laughs> oh, we have another host joining the podcast. We have dogs. Uh, a couple dogs here. Um, but, uh, there, you know, there's been so many books written about Lincoln, both uh, in, you know, biographies or, you know, other pieces of historical fiction but what makes it so interesting is this isn't so focused on Lincoln. And if it was, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have the ability to have that wide range of tone. And so yeah. I think that that's what's so cool about it. But all the same, uh, what I also liked about it so much is that it, it still does find ways to tackle uh, a lot about Lincoln himself and the Civil War um, you know, it's not just brushed aside. And so here's a, a one that I'm kind of thinking of here is, you know, we're, we're thinking of the afterlife and about Willie, but, you know, the gravity of the situation that we're in the middle of a civil war. Uh, this had happened in a chapter where they're finally getting the actual numbers of how many people have died thus far. 
Um, and so there's somebody that says, how many more dead do you attend to make, sir, afore you is done? One minute there's our little Nate on that bridge with a fish pole, and where is that boy now? And who is it called him hither and that notice he saw down on the Orbis? Well, sir, that was your name he saw upon it, Abraham Lincoln. And it's still bringing up the fact that, like, despite the fact that Lincoln is grieving, and that's on uh, page 154 in, in my copy here for anybody wondering. Um, but, you know, you get this outside perspective where, again, it's not just focusing on Lincoln and, and becoming the same story. You have other perspectives to keep it light, but also other perspectives to be like, hey, you're grieving, but you're also the president. You also have all this other stuff to deal with. Like shit is going down. And not everybody's work. happy about it. Yeah. That guy is upset that Lincoln is the one that's essentially calling people in to, to fight because that's his job. So I thought that that was another powerful aspect because, you know, we're talking about a lot of the lighthearted aspects of the novel. And while there's a lot of that, you know, it's very centered in a very serious subject matter. And the fact that this is a book about death in a war where there's no winning side because it's the same country, same amount. I mean, there's no, you could argue that for most wars, but you know, this is, these are people that are getting divided in their own homeland Mm -hmm. and we're learning about some of these stories even after they end in the living world. So I think that that's super cool about the book. And that uh, was one passage that stood out that still tied it into the Lincoln story that we know Mm -hmm. uh, so that it's not just pushed aside in the book but I appreciate the other aspects of it too. Yeah. And you also, I there is a moment past that I think that um, uh, Volman and Bevins are like sitting inside of Lincoln, mm-hmm. which is a weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was a very. Strange. It's so interesting. <laughs> I love that. So descriptive. Yeah, they're in they're inside the coffee. Of him, I taste the coffee, and, and the- they're like. <laughs> They're they're feeling his thoughts and emotions, and it's right after like someone was newly buried in the cemetery who was a soldier, and you see like Lincoln sitting there trying to like wrestle with the idea that like everybody is losing sons, and he didn't understand that until like just now, like what that felt like, mm-hmm. um, and he feels like he's he's like at a weird crossroads of like what do I do like am I supposed to just stop Mm -hmm. and be like a weakling like how I can't I have to keep going but also like now that I understand how this feels like it sucks like I don't which is I is such an interesting perspective on him that I had never I don't know addressed before that he, in the middle of all of this, like, also lost a son, but from other circumstances. Um, and how he might have dealt with that, we don't know for sure, I don't think. But um, I really liked that moment. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing that is also um, something that's cool that ties both of those aspects together is... You know, with that aspect, and I, I may be getting this wrong here in, in what I interpreted from it, but, but they did talk about a point where uh, the two main narrators um, had a connection to Lincoln because of that uh, period where they sat in him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they then used that because they, they talked about it for multiple pages of like, after that experience, I 
you know, felt more close to Link and I understood him a lot better. And I think they have a moment where they actually tell Lincoln's thoughts. Like that's mm-hmm. part of the story that mm-hmm. they're telling, uh, yeah. which I think is really cool because, you know, there there are some pieces of information from that time in history of of how Lincoln uh, handled his son dying and, and some of the thoughts that he have or that he had. But when you get to that moment, um, it's just showing how much he still cares about this boy that was so good. There were other chapters that were like talking about how great of a boy Willie actually was. But I thought that it was cool that you got uh, Lincoln's inner thoughts that weren't from an article mm-hmm. for the first time. Pretty yeah. much the entire book, uh, you're getting those inner thoughts. So it's practically like Lincoln's telling you himself, but it's from Hans mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in that particular instance. So I thought and that that was cool like, that it molded both of those aspects together. Hans and Roger, like, realizing who he is. Yeah. I love Right, yeah. Because like, they are the both... Pres- I believe it is indeed. <laughs> the they're both so old, and they haven't, like... Oh, yeah. No. There's, oh, like... I that was great. That. Yeah. There's an... There's... <laughs> A lack of acknowledging of where they are and what's happening to them and how much time has passed. And so they're like, I believe it's Lincoln. It's President Lincoln. They like, wait. They feel it because they learn it. The president is so-and-so. They both have have different ideas on who the president is supposed to be. And then they like suddenly gain knowledge after like embodying Lincoln. They're like, oh, they were like... Eight when, when I died, yeah. <laughs> when I died, it was Polk. But I've, now I've been here for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was I like I loved that moment. I, I think know. I think also now that you say that, like part of the confusion that I felt like at the beginning and the ambiguity we all, we were all kind of talking about is that the main characters kind of refuse to acknowledge What's where happening. they are and what is happening. Right. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, they sit you down and say, we are ghosts and we're going to tell you about, you know, or like it is the year 1862. They don't know. No. And they, or they like have refused to acknowledge it or they, um, you know, they like, they don't think it's pertinent information. Um, and so that's also like part of the ambiguity that I felt I'm realizing now is mm-hmm. that like the main characters uh, don't help you. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they don't really help. Um, in terms of like you know telling a story to people yeah they don't give you a setting really there was a moment where like one of the characters they were describing one of the other ghosts and they were like he's he's been here for quite a few years and like in my mind i was like okay so he's been here for like two or three years yeah but then that guy started talking about like a street uh, like on this corner there's this hotel and then the other ghost was like nah dude that's a field and I'm like how long has he right. been here <laughs> right right just hundreds of years yeah. like I don't the t- yeah the timeline is like learning about how long all of them have been there and then like when like when all of the the other ghosts mm-hmm. come in you know like when when they're you know when they share all of their thoughts it's just like it it confuses a little a little more um yeah, I don't know. Cool. Well, I think we're getting uh, a little bit far along on the discussion, so obviously we have another half of the book. So we're, we're just going to get to some final thoughts here. Um, and obviously, if anybody's listening, if you're on uh, YouTube, you can leave some comments below. We'll be checking those out and responding to some. Somebody will. <laughs> um, but the thing I want to end off on is, obviously, this is a part one of two. We're going to be finishing the book next week. So uh, in part of your response, I'm curious on where you think the book is leading, if you have any thoughts on that at all, 
and also any other final thoughts of things you liked or disliked or things that relate to other books. It's kind of a free-for-all, but just kind of your final thoughts here. But the main one is where do you think the book's going if, uh, if you think it's going anywhere? So I'll just start so you guys can have some time to think about it. Uh, one of the cool things that I really enjoyed, <laughs> uh, which this is something that tied in a little bit to a book we talked about last week, is uh, there's a particular um, slang that's used in this story. And so when they're talking about uh, people dying um, what their dead body looks like or where they're housed, for instance. Uh, they say, like, sick box. Mm-hmm. That would be their um, their coffin. grave, their coffin, and yeah. then sick form. That's their dead bodies. And it kind of gave me some uh, flashbacks to A Clockwork Orange. We mm-hmm. talked about that last week, yeah. how they kind of have their own slang. And I know that it's a little bit more minimal, Uh, But this ties into another point from earlier on in the podcast in that I like a lot of unique aspects to books, and that includes if they have their own slang, because it really ties it to that world. There are certain things that you still hear um, from A Clockwork Orange, like Horror Show. You Mm -hmm. know exactly what they're talking about if you have read that book. Same thing here. Not every book saying sick form or sick box, which I think is kind of a cool thing that not only is there a unique structure, but there's a slang that's involved in this Mm -hmm. purgatory state so that's pretty cool and then as far as where things are going or where you know i want them to go what i'm curious about is we're just now getting into those aspects where uh, a lot of the ghosts that are in uh, this state right now they're starting to reveal that people have the choice to move on yeah and we don't get much more information on that and, you know, we don't know why the narrators haven't chosen that. Obviously, they've been here for a long time. You know, what's holding them back? Do they have uh, any other motives to why they're here? And what's Willie's choice going to be? And how does that kind of resolve there? So uh, those are a couple thoughts from me. Um, I have thoughts about your thoughts. <laughs> because I didn't... I don't know that I view that as slang so much as like I one of my favorite parts of the novel is that the main characters like we already kind of talked about are like they don't acknowledge what's actually happening um and I think Hans especially like anytime somebody is about to reference a grave Hans interrupts and says like sick sick box like they'll pause and Hans is the one that says Mm. Six sick form or sick box like yeah. he has not acknowledged that he has died that is like fully obvious to me I, interesting I hadn't realized that it was only him I'm pretty sure yeah, it's I, only Hans so I noticed that too but my my interpretation was the opposite I interpreted as um, as Roger uh, refusing to acknowledge and refusing to say the word, and he wanted mm. Hans to say it for him. Okay. So he was stopping, and Hans was saying it. But I, I think that... Was it, filling something I, in. He was filling in as opposed to interrupting him, but I think yours is equally plausible, too. Yeah, I see it as him interrupting, like, not, like... Being like, don't he, say it. He recognizes that they're about to say, like, his Coffin, dead body, yeah. and he's like, no, sick form, sick form, hold on, hold excuse on. me. Oh, please stop. Well, and because I I'm thought sorry. that, because there's that moment, the first time that we see, like, all of the weird, like, demons, they call them, like, demons coming 
to take them away mm-hmm. um, that they all see as different people. Um, Hans, the people that come to take him are like a bunch of brides. And at the bottom of page 98, they say, are you sick, Kugel? Like in um, quotes. Like, are you sick? Do doctors put sick people into sick boxes? <laughs> I don't recall that practice ever happening. <laughs> like, he, like, knows somewhere deep down in him that that's not right, and he's not acknowledging it, which I like that. I think that's my favorite part of the book is, like, there's... Those characters are whimsical. Hans and Roger are both kind of, like, funny, like... I don't know, almost like the cranky, like old men kind of like Muppets, old men yeah like in the background like commenting on everything that's happening but in like a whimsical way but also there's something really sad about both of them mm-hmm. yeah like really like they are tormented in a lot of ways and they have to be because they're still there like that's yeah. part of you know um because th- that's the thing is somebody that did pass on did it almost immediately there was an a, mm-hmm. a moment in the book that that they were surprised they're like wow like he did it all right he's out he's missing out on a lot of good stuff Um, but maybe it's not that great but also like the main point the main arc of the story right now with willie is that they want him to move on they're like young people aren't meant to be here and we don't understand why he is struggling to move on um so i guess that's what i see going forward i assume that the resolution of the story will be um like Willie finds a way to move on, like something resolves the issue that he's having. Uh, but maybe that's like too perfect of a bow to wrap up the story. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what I'm expecting is just like them trying to help him. Danny? Yeah. Um, to go back to the sick box talk, <laughs> on page five, like at the very beginning, I think it's Hans has just only been speaking. It's It's only Hans... He says, per the advice of my physician, I took to my sick box. Like, a sort of sick box was judged. So, like, he's refusing, like, that he has died. It's Mm -hmm. not... That's, like, the ultimate euphemism. Yeah. (laughs) Like, per the advice of my physician, like, you're dead. You had to go into that coffin. (laughs) Like, you didn't choose to do it. So, yeah. So, that was another clue to me that, like, there's a little bit of denial happening or deliberate ignorance or like confusion about where they are um i had another thing to talk about (laughs) uh well i guess in terms of like where i think the book's going to go how it's going to resolve um i was a little confused at first because they kept talking about the the children being the ones who moved on really quickly Mm -hmm. and i was like okay so so is it only the children who are allowed to move on? And then I started thinking about um, in Harry Potter when they talk about the ghosts, they talk about how the ghosts are um, are like spirits who have chosen to stay in basically purgatory ghost mm-hmm. world right. forever. Um, and they always speak of the people who have chosen to go on in a pretty wistful way. And I get that as well. Um, you know, our main characters speak about... Um, the children <clears throat> who come, who enter and then leave pretty easily uh, and without much, you know, fuss, um, they speak about them pretty, pretty wist, kind of wistfully. Like they, they wish it were that easy. Um, and so that's a big question mark too. Is just like why 
have they what have they chosen are they why are they still there what are they doing there mm-hmm. kind of yeah so there's definitely a lot of questions still to be answered um as we've mentioned it is going to be just two parts per book so uh, we will be done by the next episode so if anybody's following along uh, just know what you're getting into next week but we are next week whenever it's gonna be oh, next, week. <laughs> next week we're doing a podcast every day uh <laughs> two books you know it's easy uh so anyway that's going to be the end of part one of our discussion of lincoln and the bardo here at the podcast haunted mansion two <laughs> lincoln and the bardo <laughs> the podcast uh, but we're glad you joined us for this one hopefully we'll see you again on the next episode and uh yeah thanks for joining us tonight danny could you uh <laughs> sing the outro? stop putting me on the spot <laughs> Baby doo bop. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye.